Welcome to Art Meet Offspring. I'm Monica Flory. Here we talk about how to make art with kids around and mine the habits of creative people to figure out how to make parenting easier and more fun. Today I'm in conversation with Michael Grimaldi. Michael Grimaldi is a Philadelphia-based visual artist that focuses primarily on monochrome paintings and drawings of the real and imagined worlds he inhabits. He has exhibited extensively throughout the U.S. and abroad, and has taught drawing, painting, and anatomy for over 20 years at various institutions, including the School of Visual Arts, National Academy, Pennsylvania Academy of the Fine Arts, and the Art Students League of New York. Currently, Grimaldi is the faculty chair and the director of the Departments of Drawing and Anatomy at the New York Academy of Art. Our conversation starts in a moment. Michael Grimaldi, welcome to Art Meet Offspring. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much for being here. First off, I'd love for you to tell us about the kind of art that you make. Okay, I, I basically do kind of representational, um, kind of teetering on abstraction uh, works on paper, if that makes any sense. That's probably the most ambiguous answer you could give. Um, <laughs> uh, so mostly uh, charcoal based, uh, almost everything nowadays is monochromatic, um, works on paper of varying scales, so. Great. And have you have you always worked monochromatic, or is that is that a new? No, I I started off as a painter, and um, just kind of increasingly more and more gravitated towards the the sort of aesthetic of of the monochromatic sort of experience. Uh, I think a lot of it was from uh, referencing films like Akira Kurosawa films and old film noir, um, and some like earlier, some of Jim Jarmusch's films, things like that. And a lot of it was that as a representational artist, uh, painter, drafts person, um, the, the more representational elements that sort of ended up in the work, it seemed to kind of detract from the openness of the, of the experience. And so, so in a lot of ways, it's like, I have an urge to describe things, to describe things uh, visually and uh, sort of in some ways kind of mimetically as well. And then it seemed like the, uh, the kind of gravitating towards the, towards the monochromatic experience was a way of sort of creating a mediation between the viewer, myself and the, and the subject matter or the narrative that kind of thing, so. So please tell us what you would like us to know about your family. Well, I have uh, two children and um, a two-year-old, Cleo, and uh, an 11-year-old, Hayden. And they're remarkable, fantastic, amazing children. And and yeah, and they're great. So. so how do you feel that becoming a parent has impacted your artistic work? It, it, I mean, it's, it's flipped like recently, I think with the birth of our first daughter, um, it, it was a bit of a learning curve. There was a, there was a panic mode, um, <laughs> you know, oh my gosh, can I make enough sales through galleries or private sales, or am I taking up enough teaching opportunities to like really support the family, that kind of thing. 
And so I, I think early on, I took on one too many teaching gigs, uh, just in a, in a mode of panic. And so it took a little while to kind of calibrate and to kind of figure out like, um, you know, how to operate within, within the, uh, within the experience of parenting. Um, after a little while, you, you kind of survive or, or die. Right. <laughs> and, you know, so the thing, you know, certain things, of course, kind of disappear, staying in the studio until, you know, three in the morning and that kind of thing. Um, those days are over. So it, it started like really requiring a little bit more of uh, pre-anticipation, uh, you know, in terms of studio hours, that kind of thing. Um, you know, throughout, like uh, my wife and has been like very supportive through, you know, uh, we're trying to kind of balance things pretty equally. Um, the second time around, I thought it would be a lot easier, you know, because we'd sort of been there, done that. Um, we had a pretty big stretch between, between kids, but then COVID-19 hit, which was, uh, I think probably, I mean, this year has probably been the hardest year I've ever experienced, you know, not directly through, I mean, I've had some health issues, had COVID last April, uh, that kind of thing, but a relatively mild case, but a lot of it was, had a huge impact on, um, you know, on just how do you negotiate space, you know, with, uh, Elizabeth working for an arts organization too, you know, that required a lot of, you know, recalibrating, you know, things and dealing with, uh, grants and how are you dealing with employees, stuff like that. I was doing the same thing with my school as faculty chair. Um, and the director of two departments there, it was a lot of damage control. And so that seemed to take up a lot of time. Then you also had a scenario where there was no longer an option of daycare, right? So, um, you know, I, I'm kind of hoping that we're at the tail end of the extreme experience of, you know, our COVID year, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> things kind of get back to normal. But it was a lot of juggling. It was a huge amount of juggling, like where, um, you know, um, my wife and I would share, uh, you know, eight hours. I'll, I'll take the kids today. Maybe you take them tomorrow. Um, so it would be like huge eight hour, nine hour, 12 hour stretches of, of being with the kids, which kind of puts the smash on, you know, on the studio practice kind of <laughs> thing. So it was a little interrupted, but otherwise it's, it's manageable. It's, um, it does take, you know, in just kind of normal life situations, it's, you know, it takes a little bit of recalculating and kind of figuring out what you can, what you can do with your hours and um, how to work efficiently, that kind of thing. So I was going to ask how COVID is showing up in your studio work, but is that how it's showing up that your studio work sort of is not, is not happening or not happening as much right in this it, moment? It was, it's still happening always. Like I think for my own sanity, I have to keep working and, and all of that stuff. It was interesting because the scale of work reduced, you know, um, I, I think what I started doing was focusing a lot more on doing uh, kind of multiples, um, multiple drawings as opposed to like one large scale, you know, time intense, you know, intensive piece. Uh, so kind of doing a lot that I'm, I'm not really looking at as sketches. I'm looking at more as kind of finished objects, but ones that are a little bit more intimate, which seems to kind of 
kind of parallel a little bit of the experience we've all had being locked up in, in rooms and things like that. And then a little bit more directly, I'm kind of doing a, um, most of the work is sort of based on a reinterpretation of a, of an old Italian novel called uh, The Decameron, if you're familiar with that. And so it basically took place during the plague years um, where a number of people escaped, uh, you know, plague-ridden Florence to just kind of tell stories, things like that um, during a quarantine. And so I started rereading that in the beginning of, of the quarantine and had done a few sketches about that. And it just seemed like really kind of timely, but also not wanting to make it like an illustration of, of the Decameron, that kind of thing, and, and, but trying to kind of maintain certain themes. So it's a little bit more just kind of inspired by, by that. So that's primarily what I've been working on. How much do you think your children understand the work that you do? I think to a large, I think my 11 year old really understands a lot of it, you know, because I, I think she's really influenced me a great deal in the construction of the work and especially over, over COVID, um, you know, so I'd bring her to the studio, which is like, she's the best studio assistant on the planet, you know, <laughs> um, you know, and one of the one of the things she kind of asked me early on, and this was kind of a separate series of of works. She was asking me, um, you know, when you were my age, what were you what were you painting and drawing? And I I told her I was drawing spaceships all the time, and that was you know creating worlds and and sort of imagining, um, almost like a like the star rover, like um, this is a book, um, Jack London Star Rover. It's just like musings on you know, kind of going elsewhere. And um, so kind of escaping into the imagination. And she asked me, uh, why don't you do that anymore? And I was like, that's a really good question. Why don't I do that anymore? So I started kind of a, a group of works where it was kind of like building maquettes with her and kind of creating imaginary lunar landscapes, things like that. And just kind of a, a neat sort of escapist way of, of kind of dealing with things. And it, it was kind of like a great opportunity and a great time for that because so many, um, like a number of exhibitions that I had were postponed or canceled, you know, um, getting work to Europe for exhibitions, had, you know, after Brexit was really problematic with customs now, um, the whole convoluted story there. But, um, so it gave me a little bit of time earlier in the in the quarantine to just kind of focus on that and really have fun and be at play. And so, um, so I, I think it really influenced my work. And it was it was kind of a departure from being strictly what is a scenario that I have observed or participated in, you know, that kind of thing, and that becoming the you know uh, the material for the work. And then kind of world creating, which was a totally different category and something that was really enjoyable kind of getting back to it, if, if that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. And as a playwright, world building is my, <laughs> is the thing I love. So I absolutely understand that. That's so cool. How has being an artist shaped your parenting? I think mostly, <laughs> so I, I'm probably one of the more when it comes down to regular everyday life 
with the exception of, of maybe perhaps I hope teaching and what I do in the studio, I'm pretty dysfunctional, you know, balancing a checkbook is difficult for me, you know, um, keeping a calendar with, with schedules and meetings and things like that has always been uh, somewhat problematic. Those are things that are very important to kind of instill in children that <laughs> I, I don't think I contribute too well to. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I think that the main one is really, um, I think is the engagement, first of all. Like uh, I think as someone that can't really multitask too well, it's like, Really, whatever scenario you're in, whatever situation, whatever environment you are in, as an artist, you have to, you really must um, engage in it, you know. And so I, I think that engagement sort of runs off, rubs off on the children and sort of having experience with them. If it's just being outside looking at trees, you know, you're the children, hopefully, and you as the parent are invested in that in that type of thing. And I also think like a lot of it is um, for me that I, I really hope, and I, I think I see that in, especially in my 11 year old, but in beginning to see it in, in our two year old is, um, is just like the creativity. It's let's, let's build something instead of kind of um, going into a, on a screen, which you know, is an inevitability these days, um, that kind of thing. But also like, how do we kind of engage in the, in the creative process a little bit, you know, um, whether it's building things in a more analog fashion or things that my daughter has really influenced me with. She's an expert at procreate, which is a sort of like a Photoshop thing on tablets. And she does these, uh, amazing digital artworks and having no familiarity with, with digital material or not too much it's um it's really kind of refreshing sort of seeing a new generation or multiple generations behind mine um you know with technological advances that and then we have a lot of things that are kind of uh, commonalities like she's fascinated with japanese um like uh anime and manga drawing and things like that right now and so a lot of i think life i teach life drawing and anatomy and things like that and so a lot of that kind of crosses over you know so she teaches me hopefully maybe i teach her a little bit um but really in a very informal way which is very different from you know teaching uh graduate students of course you know because the primary thing is like you you just you never want to stop someone's creativity by okay now you have to draw something or you should really do this and it becomes like homework a homework mm -hmm. it's uh, yeah are your children ever the subjects of your work they have been yeah um it's it's really a it's kind of a strange it's a really strange thing though like with being the parent there's you're so um connected and every time i look at my children I have aesthetic arrest. It's just like, they're, they're sort of like a, a, you know, a form of perfection that seems to be beyond the scope of my capabilities as an artist and in a lot of ways. So uh, like sort of going through life, I wish I had drawn them more, but I have drawn them a lot. I've done some paintings and um, 
and some drawings and things like that. But I think primarily they're the subject of, of pretty much everything I do, like in some way, but in a really, in a much more sort of latent way. If it's an interior space that I'm doing a, a drawing or a painting of, you know, I, I think a lot of it is my trying to reference their presence. Um, sometimes literally, if it's the, you know, the toys and the, you know, silly cribs and crap, you know, <laughs> all over the place. Um, and other times just more from a feeling of, of uh, sort of like fullness, if, if that makes sense at all. Hope that's not too just ambiguous and esoteric, but. <laughs> not a bit, not a bit. That makes perfect sense especially during this time, <laughs> the fullness of, of our houses and our lives at this moment, yes. Yeah. Did the experience of having COVID change anything about the way that you understand life drawing or anatomy? Yeah, um, I, I, that's, it's a little bit of a complicated question because so for the last 11 years, um, 11 or 12 years, I, I've been, uh, Drexel University College of Medicine has hosted a class um, that I teach. So we dissect, we dissect cadavers um, alongside the, well, we don't dissect the cadavers, the medical students do. And then we come in, myself and my students come in for, um, I guess it was like eight and a half hours a day, once a week to uh, study anatomy directly. So, in a lot of ways that was, um, you know, in addition to the scientific aspects, the form and functionality of the human body, you're inevitably faced with issues of mortality and um, all of that kind of stuff, right? When, when COVID hit, we had to cancel the class and, you know, they did a lockdown, of course, like everybody else did, sort of shut down the, the anatomy lab. Um, and then so when, I started experiencing um, what I was sure was just like food poisoning at first. And then it became like, kind of, it felt like a bad flu, you know, kind of thing. I was in denial on one level. I was like, no, it can't be COVID. It's too early. I haven't been out. I've been, you know, protecting myself and, and all of this stuff. And, but there was also like a kind of scientific fascination, like with the, um, like the resilience of this, um, you know, this super virus that has just adapted itself to, you know, taking over, taking over the world. And so, you know, in some ways having a little bit like not being a doctor, not having <laughs> medical training and things like that, a little knowledge is a dangerous thing, you know, so mm. <laughs> it can kind of feed into, can feed into paranoia, uh, that kind of thing. Uh, at the same time, a number of my thesis advisees ended up getting COVID and we would meet on Zoom in, you know, um, for our anatomy class that was supposed to be in an anatomy lab and just kind of talking, talking about it. And so it, it did kind of influence things. I, I think there were some like just less as a medical thing, but more as just a psychological sort of experience. Um, the, um, you know, feeling debilitated for a couple of months, you know, from from the from the what turned out to be COVID, um, from the antibodies test that I had a number of months afterwards, um, but more the the seclusion, actually seeing students of mine the way that they were dealing with it, some functioned really well, especially 
especially artists that didn't have children or significant <laughs> other, mm-hmm. they were um, they were just in their element. It's like this is great. I get to draw and paint all the time, and I'm having a blast. And <laughs> and then I'm like, yeah, good for you. Yeah, that's <laughs> right on. <laughs> so I, I think that's kind of how you know, how it affected, how it affected me with more was like fascination. It's kind of the whole thing started off as a very novel thing, you know, reading a lot of, you know, dystopian future things and um, science fiction and um, a lot of stuff like that. It's just like, oh, well, I'm ready. I'm ready for this, uh, you know, for the apocalypse or, you know, (laughs) this pandemic. And then you realize that, no, it's not about surviving the pandemic necessarily it is for a lot of people um but in my case and a lot of the people i knew directly i didn't know anyone that's died from it um i even the worst the students that were affected the worst the most by covid they weren't hospitalized so that was you know that i was really lucky on that level and they were lucky on that level but a lot of it was the psychological um like recalibration of everything that you that you know adding to that then the added responsibilities of you know damage control if you're at a um you know whether it's like your family life um logistics or you know in operations of a of a school you know what do you do (laughs) right so michael can you talk a little bit about the emotional landscape of having exhibitions canceled and not being able to send out your work sort of happening alongside of that at the same time as happening with parenting and teaching and what and do you think that that is an experience that will shape your work for years to come yes to a certain extent so i'd I'd been sort of not doing the huge solo show thing for a while. I, I was kind of like in one of those um, those cycles where you're trying to build up a body of work, that kind of thing. But we'd have a lot of like group exhibitions, like curated exhibitions that, that I'd go into. So I think with friends of mine that have had solo exhibitions canceled, um, it's been really, it was really tough because a lot of artists so this is speaking a little bit less directly about my own experiences, but um, you know, you might live on credit for th- three years to develop a body of work and then to suddenly have the rug pulled out from under you, no longer the capability of having, having that exhibition is financially uh, devastating to a lot of artists. Um, and so I didn't really have that experience, which was, which was great, but having an exhibition, whether it's a curated group exhibition that you really feel like, oh, the theme or the subject or the group of artists that you're showing with has always been a really great way of communicating your work. You know, you end up meeting artists who you admire and um, end up becoming friends with them just through these uh, like curated exhibitions. Um, You can communicate your work to the public. Uh, You know, if somebody writes about it, they'll write something that's a totally different take on what you had intended with the work, which could be really positive. It's like, wow, I never looked at it that way, you know, but that seems accurate. Um, you know, so the kind of external communication thing for me dropped off a lot. And the, I think a lot of other artists, 
who are a little bit more savvy about social media, using Instagram, that kind of thing, there wasn't a drop off at all, you know, because there's still, you know, publishing work, that kind of thing. I think for myself, my work is really meant to be viewed in person, you know, not that I don't use social media, that kind of thing. Um, and so that was a little bit of a, you know, a little bit deranged, you know, when you, when you realize you don't have that communication thing. Um, there's also, I mean, just the practical elements like where an exhibition was coming down right right at the beginning of COVID in Italy. And so I have pieces there that I can't get back, right, for a little while. And, you know, so financially that was a little bit tough too because I had, I had buyers for those. And then it's like, how am I gonna get these back with the borders locked down and, you know, can you share with us any other parenting hacks that you have? Anything that makes your life as a parent easier or more fun? Yeah, I, I think just creating with with kids and and watching them create. That's the that's the greatest thing. Um, you know, in in my experiences, I've had more of that with with our eleven year old um, at that like ten and eleven through the COVID year here, but. Um, you know, watching her create, watching her sort of develop interests in, you know, styles of, of art, you know, um, ending up kind of from, let's say from anime or something like that, then kind of looking at Japanese woodblock prints and seeing sort of, a, you know, without going linear history through linearly through art history, seeing how children sort of gravitate to certain things and then start incorporating it. You see them draw what they love. That's what they do. And we could all learn a huge lesson from that. Um, and so I kind of, I, I think like really giving them space to do that. And um, as I may have mentioned before too, it, it's like, it's a tough thing, um, perhaps made harder because I, I teach art. I don't want to teach a, a child because I think that they, they, they can fundamentally teach you better than you could teach them. And I think that if, um, you know, teaching can be a really great thing if you're ready for it. And if you're not, um, it, it just becomes torture. I remember that with, um, in school myself, it's just like, if I'm forced to read, um, uh, the death of a salesman, uh, you know, which I've learned to really love that, that piece. And then, but at the time I just wanted to have nothing to do with it because it was, it, you know, it was forced, it was forced upon me. Right. And, um, and then seeing like the, even with our two-year-old, like seeing the, you know, starting off at, as a one-year-old during, during the beginning of the, of the COVID experience, you know, we're, they essentially don't really do much except cry and, you know, that kind of thing. As they start getting more engaged in the world, seeing them create and play and sort of, um, you know, even if it's building blocks or playing with toys and, and you realize that they're constructing a narrative, they're essentially visual and tactile storytellers. And, and whether it has an audience or if it's just purely for their own, you know, the kind of imaginations chamber or something, it's, um, it's really, really great to, to kind of watch, to watch that. Um, and I think, I think like being influenced too, like 
like anime, for instance, wasn't really something I was in into and have kind of learned to appreciate stylistically um, what goes into that, um, the narrative construction, the like really foreign to me at least uh, kind of editing style of that because I reference film a lot in, in my work as well. Um, and then kind of introducing my daughter to, um, you know, science fiction movies that I grew up with and um, her being old enough to now watch the Terminator or Alien, and, <laughs> you know, without being terrified and having nightmares. So. <laughs> Was there an age at which or a moment at which you decided that you are an artist? My, for myself, I think it was, it was um, more, I, I was really interested in going into special effects uh, initially, model building, more analog kind of things like that. And so I, I'd always been sketching and drawing and building things. Um, the, the film industry started going a little bit more, a lot more digital when when I was in art school and kind of thinking about where am I, where am I going to be going on one level, it, it seemed like the only thing I was really had a sustained interest in, like I always loved reading, but I didn't want to become a writer because I, I, you know, don't really think like I have the skills for that. Um, I certainly didn't want to become a historian, even though I love history, that kind of stuff. And, and art was always a way of just kind of engaging with the world. And so I think in hindsight, it was pretty evident that that was one way or the other, that's what I would end up doing. Um, just so, and then I left high school to go to the Art Students League, which is an art school in, in New York City, where you can just kind of take classes all day long. It's ridiculously inexpensive. There are tons of scholarship uh, programs and things like that. So. I had a really great education with fantastic artists who I admired. You can form your own curriculum too, which is really great. Um, and just kind of fell into it that way and just never, never looked back. <laughs> so, and my mother was very supportive too. Um, when she found out that I had dropped out of high school, got my GED in, uh, you know, secretly and was going to the Art Students League uh, most parents would just be like, what are you thinking? And she was actually like, okay, just make sure that you put in the work that's necessary because it's the hardest career anyone has ever, you know, gone into and just, you know, so. Do you share her view that it's the hardest career it's, that anyone could go into? Yeah, it's the most rewarding, I think, in a lot of ways and can be, but yes, it's precarious. It's, um, you know, when I first started exhibiting, the economy was fantastic. And so like when I just got out of art school, it was really great to have like a solo exhibition and have it sell out. And you were, you know, and I, I think that that was less evidence of, of my mastery of art, but more a reflection of the economy. And then I've seen students over the years, like hit like right out of art school where they have a lot of student debt you know, things like that. And really just, there's no market anymore, you know? So yeah, I think it's, it's precarious, but you know, every artist I've ever spoken with, you know, there's always the panic, the, the feverish, like what's going to happen next month? How am I going to, you know, pay for the rent at the studio? But in the end, there's a, there's just a effusive joy 
that they're doing what they love to do. If you take that away from them, if you, and that I think was the most difficult thing for this year for a lot of people was that, that it really did cut into the studio time and, you know, the ability to maintain a practice. I know it did with myself and whoa, does that affect your psychology um, negatively? It affected mine negatively, I think so. If there were only one or two things that your students would take away from your time together, do you have a sense of, or how would you begin to think about what, what those things are? I, I think the, uh, the main thing that I try to reinforce in the students, you know, cause there, there are many, many different teaching styles and, and all of them can be effective, right? Um, with teaching art in particular, and if the students who gravitate towards you, they gravitate towards you typically or to their teacher because they like their artwork, you know, when it comes down to it. Um, but the thing for me is like really like breaking it from a cult of personality where it's not, um, you don't look to me, you don't look externally, you can get inspired, you can reference, you can do all of that stuff, but trying to develop in themselves a sense of who they are as artists. And when you see that happen, it is the most rewarding thing ever, you know, at least externally, like when you see someone just kind of, um, kind of take some bits and pieces, figure out like, oh, this stuff, it doesn't pertain to me. This stuff does. And then you see them expand upon it, develop the technology of painting or drawing or sculpture um, in really unique approaches. And then you see them as a person through their artwork. And that's, that's for me, the main thing. The vehicle of that is really, um, is more, you know, visual perception based. It's science in terms of uh, anatomy, morphology, things like that. But it's all sort of like a trick to kind of get them into sort of, I hate the word agency, but the sort of like to have that sense of, of their own work, their own efficacy within their, within their work um, internalized so that they can produce something that's completely unique, even though you're referencing, you know, classical painting and, you know, Baroque compositional devices and things like that. That also seems like a very beautiful way to parent. It's it's kind of like that Cahil Gibran thing. I, I don't remember it, but you know he spoke about you know your children are not yours. The you know you're merely the bow that you fire the arrow, and the children are the arrow. Something to that effect. Yeah, I, I totally <laughs> right. I totally destroyed that. But um, <laughs> you know, and I think yeah, when it comes down to it, it's children. However much I I see myself in my children or see my children in myself, you know, that kind of thing. It's, it's a really neat balance to try to not be imposing and like, oh, you should really like watch Star Wars more or something like that, because that's my <laughs> interest, you know, um, but really see them, you know, uh, take and develop their own interests and things and giving them space to do that. So. Yeah, I always feel like that's one of the biggest surprises about parenting to me, how much one's children are their own <laughs> beings from the start, right? And you just yeah. sort of peel it back and try to understand it over time. And yeah. It's weird, like in hindsight too, I remember, you know, early on our 11-year-old, her personality 
though I couldn't identify what it was, it just seems like she is just more of that same personality that she's always had. And, um, and our two-year-old as she's developing is, is really kind of showing that as well. And it's, it's really kind of fascinating and um, yeah. So as we wrap up our time together today, is there anything that you're working on right now or thinking about right now that's particularly close to your heart? The, I think now I'm getting, I'm, tr I'm figuring out or trying to figure out, knock on wood, you know, how to really get the, the time and practice back into the studio. And I, I think through this year, as I was mentioning the kind of Decameron pieces, I, I think I'm at this point where it's like, it is developing as a series as I want it to be, um, a nonlinear series. Um, which meant a lot of editing of pieces, just like this doesn't work within this. Um, you know, the, you know, the downtime where you're just like, yeah, I don't know what, what to do now with this. And then kind of getting that momentum back, getting the inspiration back, um, as exhibitions are slowly opening again, it's, um, and then also having a connection throughout this year because i've been teaching live throughout this year um social distance all that kind of stuff at art school reduced class size that kind of thing but the inspiration that i get from my students has really helped me out a lot as well like you're advising them on their work but they're you know even though they might not know it they're advising you on on your own you know introducing you to new materials and um things like that and just having conversations with with people that will that I look at more as colleagues than I do as, you know, these are my disciples or something absurd like that. Right. <laughs> um, so, so that's where I'm, I'm at now is like, just kind of really looking forward to like seeing the, the swell of the work that I have been working on, but now kind of getting up a little bit more momentum to do more of it, to be a little bit more clear about what my objectives are um, with this, with this body of work. And yeah hopefully take it from there. And then I also want to continue throughout this on doing even the science fiction stuff, you know, as I mentioned before, that was kind of inspired by uh, my daughter's question. Thank you so much for talking with us today. Sure. Thank you so much for having me. This is a lot of fun. For me too. <laughs> <laughs>